Hey everyone, this is Eric, and welcome to the CBC Podcast Behind the Pulpit. This Sunday we continued our series called Kings, and Pastor Donna talked about the upside-down king. Today I'll be joined by Donna and Brandon to discuss Sunday's message. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, I am here with Donna and Brandon. Welcome to you both. Hi. Hello. It's good to all be together again, and um, yeah, it's exciting. We're obviously... Uh, kind of moving along in our, our series, our journey through the Old Testament, going through uh, the Kings. And uh, Donna, thank you for speaking this Sunday. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, having just given the message on Sunday, kind of how, how are you feeling? Any thoughts? Um, how do you feel it went? Um, I felt it went really well. Um, I felt like there was a lot of stuff to cover and it was it would have been easy to spend a lot more time, but I want it to not make the sermon too long <laughs> so you know just to hit on main points in Saul's life but yeah there's a lot there um, one of the things I thought about afterwards too is and I was just mentioning this to you is just the just how you have to infer from his actions what he's thinking and how that's kind of a dangerous thing to do sometimes um, and so I did qualify that I was inferring his motives and reasoning um, but I think that's something we have to be careful about in scripture is trying to figure out what they're thinking i think sometimes uh, i mean i agree it's it's dangerous i think in the case of your sermon though like there's something to the way it's it's written that i do think that the scripture is kind of inviting you to do that and and, and asking you to consider you know why he does the things he does and even i think the structure of those passages right like with his two errors and in the middle you have jonathan as the contrast to that. It's mm-hmm. all like painting this picture of somebody who internally, right, right. is missing the point. Uh-huh. And so I think all of the the dots that you were connecting, I feel like are, while not explicit, are heavily implied. Mm-hmm. So. And then most of the commentaries I read talked about him having character flaws, which mm-hmm. that was kind of confirmation for me. Um, and I felt like just that whole idea of, not thinking sin matters and letting things slide. That's such a relevant thing for us today. So, yeah, that's all the whole, his whole narrative, right? Is the contrast between his external appearance, right? Like how good he Mm -hmm. looks and what's going on internally. And so, yeah, I think you're on solid ground with that. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you mentioned you had to cover a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as I, Listen to the message, which I thought did a wonderful job and kind of just highlighting those things, right? Kind of where he went wrong, where he made the mistakes. Um, maybe step back a little bit and kind of give us a, a broader picture, you know, kind of the backstory of, of Saul in general, you know, and kind of maybe the things that you had read, things that you had studied, some of the stuff that's covered that you weren't able to include that you thought was just interesting or helpful, important. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of it is the stuff that happened afterwards, you know, and how, you know, in, in this passage at the end of First Samuel 15, God rejects him. But then he kind of goes a little crazy with David <laughs> and just mentally imbalanced and, um, you know, just the jealousy and the running after David and trying to kill him and relationship with Jonathan as well. Just all of those things, like it was just continued the downward descent after that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that um, 
I thought, I don't know, kind of a little different in general. And we just mentioned, you know, a lot of it is um, the author isn't always clear in terms of what exactly we're supposed to pull from it. But part of it is really looking at the context, looking at the storyline and trying to figure out like, what was he thinking? What was his motivation? You know, part of what's intriguing for me too is Saul is like trying to step back even further and go like, who was Saul? Like just mm-hmm. what, what was he, what was he like? Just, mm-hmm. you know, bef- beyond just the decisions and, you know, the, maybe his casual approach to God and, and those things, but just, you know, as, as just a guy, mm-hmm. like kind of what was he like before mm-hmm. he was even chosen called, right? Because mm-hmm. part of what's intriguing is like, he didn't sign up for any of this, yeah. right? But, yeah. So I don't know. I just thought kind of in your minds as you kind of read the story or just, what do you, env- who you, who do you envision Saul to be if you were to just kind of describe him as a, as a person, um, <laughs> just entertain us or what do you kind of think mm. in that? You know, like, uh, well, and I hope this isn't offensive to anyone who would fall into this category, but I, I kind of think about him as like a, like a big jock, <laughs> you know, like, right. He's like, like impressive looking or like physically very like, I can think of someone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But, you know, like he just and he he's that guy who just looks like he has it all together. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like it's it's just that that contradiction between who he was on the outside and who he was on the inside. And y- you see that throughout these narratives. And like you talked about as, as his journey continues, that he's like the guy who's like physically so developed, but just emotionally mm. and spiritually never, never got past that kind of childlike stage you know and like yeah and there's a part of him he's just he just seems really immature you know Mm -hmm. and and how he deals with things and at moments kind of naive and in moments kind of impetuous but yeah like a like a like a big physically gifted baby (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like this is this is very like rob gronkowski or something (laughs) if he was like if he turned into the king but yeah i mean that's just and that, that, I don't know, that makes him sound really bad because he did have good qualities, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I think that's that's at least what I think of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah. I think, too, of the contrast between him and David a lot. And, you know, David had fought Goliath. He had killed a lion and a bear. He already had, like, courage Spoiler and Spoiler alert. Jeez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stepping on Eric's oh, message. Everybody here. knows that. <laughs> Give away my message. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, when Saul is chosen, he's, like, looking for his father's donkeys, and he just kind of goes to meet Samuel because they think Samuel can tell him where the donkeys are, you know, mm. and that's our background information about him. It's like, yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't seem to have leadership qualities mm-hmm. so much as being very impressive as a person, as, you know, looking impressive, and then that humility, but, yeah. Yeah, things are not quite right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't seem like his intentions are bad. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah. yeah, something about him, and and he's he's not able to just kind of pull it all together. I think he lacks that like soul level integrity, mm-hmm. right? Of like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I vision something similar too, like the, you know, the the tall, biggest kid in the class that you just assume is mm-hmm. is the leader type mm-hmm. but just a kid you know and i mm-hmm. think there's some parts of it where um yeah i mean you see the, the and i think this author wants to highlight that right yeah like mm-hmm. it, this is what 
you expect. Mm-hmm. This is this what, is you what want. you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. This is what you think will, um, but obviously the story tells something otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I think the fat Thor, skinny <laughs> Thor, or, or b- fit normal Thor. fit yeah. Thor. Yeah, yeah. That that was a good um, analogy for that. Yeah. So so talk about the title a little bit. The idea of the upside down king, and and kind of how that is is being. Sh- communicated in the story mm-hmm. of Saul? Um, it wasn't my title choice, <laughs> just <laughs> so you know. <laughs> um, but just, yeah, how he had his life upside down. He had his priorities upside down, his um, desire for God, and, and, you know, there really wasn't any relationship with God. So, you know, he was doing the king part really well, apparently, but he didn't have the spiritual or the, the God on top perspective mm-hmm. and that's what was upside down for him is not honoring god as king and reigning under god's lordship you know the whole big crown little crown thing mm-hmm. yeah so i guess <laughs> you she, she, tried the to, title. she tried to change the title on me and <laughs> i was okay with that but the, the reason i came up or i i just phrased it that way was i i wanted it to be like just as black and white as possible right mm-hmm. like it's not like you know because you read the narrative and it's just like it's it's subtle like you mm-hmm. talked about right it's not like this blatant like we're like oh my gosh yeah he was this horrible king and he did these awful things it's just these these small things but the reality of his whole worldview, you know kind of being upside down and i think that being a challenge for us is how we think about our own lives and you know our like you said our own priorities and so I also just thought it sounded cool, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did th- too. <laughs> it did, yeah. It's definitely catchy, and that's why I wanted to ask about, ask about it, so. Yeah, and I couldn't think of a better title, so. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I know you mentioned it in, in your sermon, Donna. Um, you know, as Saul is journeying, and, and just those moments of disobedience, and the, the kind of the theme that you cover, just this idea of this casual, what was the phrase, the casual... Attitude, attitude, towards right? God, towards yeah. God, and um, kind of expand on that. You know, as Saul is going through and making these decisions, um, what what is going through his mind? Do you feel? Yeah, it's hard to tell, but I it just seems like it doesn't really matter. You know, I can just do it this way, even though God said that. You know, I can do it this way. This this seems a little better to me, mm. and I'll just do it this way, which is something I think we all do. It's like, I don't really think I need to do it completely that way. I'll just do it like this. Mm. And, yeah, just that casualness towards not really obeying God completely, just doing it how I think it should be. I think that phrase you use, I love it, is that partial obedience. Mm. Mm. Just that idea that if I just do this much— then I can make excuses for why I, I, I get credit for that, yeah. and then I can make excuses for why I didn't do the rest. And I think, I think when I hear that phrase, it's very convicting for me, you know, because mm-hmm. I think we we like partial obedience. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I did this much, and so God, that's that's cool, right? We're good, and not realizing how how that gap between partial and full obedience is kind of the part that matters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like halfway you know, you, you miss out on so much. And, and I think, um, I think you communicated that well. And the thing you also said that I thought was really interesting was, you know, it's just the lack of, um, just relationship, like how God really only speaks 
is, is only active yeah. in his relationship with Samuel. And I think that contrast between Samuel, Saul, and David, mm-hmm. and the way there's so much interaction between God and those and Samuel and David. And it's just this dynamic relationship. And even in their failings, even in their 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 mistakes, like David makes again, spoiler alert, David yeah. makes makes way worse mistakes than Saul does. Mm-hmm. But it's in that relationship that you see you know, that, that lack of casualness, mm-hmm. you know, even though they're not perfect, neither Samuel or David, there's a seriousness that you see in the way they talk to God and the way they, their relationship is and, and who they are is defined by that relationship. And I thought that was a really cool observation that like Saul just doesn't seem to care enough to consult God, to wrestle with God, to be angry at God, to be blatantly disobedient. But then, you know, like there's, there's just something about it that's so, lacking any passion or real vibrancy Mm -hmm. and i think the other thing with that partial obedience is he always says but the men wanted this or but Mm. the men and it's for and i think this is true for us too the partial obedience is let me do enough that i look good so that people approve of me and people think i'm doing well um and you know the god stuff doesn't really matter as much but let me obey enough that i look like a good christian and it kind of seems like that's what Saul was doing, too, that he wanted the people to love him and the people to think he was doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it's so easy for us right, to kind of step back and to read it. He said, God said this, Saul did that, not the same, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wrong, right? But in yeah. Saul's perspective, I'm sure there's rationalizing, right? Like, this is what God said, and in that moment, rationalizing, well, I can obey the spirit of it, you know, I can, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do it kind of a little bit my way of doing mm-hmm. it. And in his mind, it could be like, well, I'm like 98% there. It's mm-hmm. 2%. Here's, here's a good reason why it's okay to not. Right. Yeah. And I think we can all think of situations probably where we do something similar, mm-hmm. right? Where on paper, it would be a little bit more clear, but internally to kind of process through why we think mm-hmm. one is okay. And, and one one is not okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, part of when I read, you know, Saul's story, uh, at least in the past, you know, I always wrestle with like, why is it so harsh? Mm-hmm. You know, does the, does the, the, the punishment fit the crime, you know, and, and God just seems very abrupt, very, right. I mean, mm-hmm. messes up and boom, you're done. Yeah. Um, kind of speak on that t- t- to both of you of. Is it, you know, well, why do you think that is? And, and what's the case in those in that situation? I think part of it, at least, is just the lack of repentance or acknowledgement of sin or mm-hmm. any sense of having done something wrong. And even at the end when he says, I have sinned, um, and then Samuel tells him that you've been rejected, he says, well, can't you come and worship with me so that the, and honor me before the elders? And it's always... It's not quite repentance. It's not sorrow for sin. It's like the sorrow for being caught more mm. than being sorry for sin. So I think that's part of it. Mm. I think, yeah, so I totally agree with that. Like there's a part of it where what he does, well, you have to get into the, the psychology of You do. You have to get yeah. into mm-hmm. it to really like appreciate the weight of the sin. I also think, I mean, as I was reading up on this, like that is part of the mystery of these narratives mm. is that, like 
it it does seem like like just that overall question of like well why why call Saul knowing who he was and like mm-hmm. th- it gets down a road that gets really yeah. complicated yeah. and you ask questions like you know predestination and you know or, you know early questions about like how God makes the choices he makes mm-hmm. and those are things that we just honestly can't answer mm-hmm. there's like narrative stuff in there too like one of the one of the things that the author is trying to do on top of just tell the story and communicate who God is is he is defending the Davidic mo- the Davidic mm-hmm. monarchy like it's so key to you know Israel's identity and history and like any you know s- telling of the the account of a king you're trying to justify that king's reign and so making sure that it shows David as a rightful heir of the kingship of Israel and not some usurper who came and like stole the crown from Saul. That's, Mm. that's there Mm. and that's not driving the story. And so we can't read it and say, well, it's whitewashing the story of David and it's exaggerating stuff about Saul because we believe it's, it's God's word and there's bad stuff about David too, but that's a factor, Mm -hmm. you know, and how the story is told and, um, and, and some of those details that we get. And so, um, that's a long way of saying, I think it's a, it's a challenging issue as mm-hmm. you read it. But I think to your point, mom, it's like, there are real issues with Saul. And I think, I think the way I read it is it's, it's a great way of reminding us that, you know, the difference between partial and full obedience mm-hmm. and, and not, not being casual about stuff. And that when you're looking at just this high, high calling of being the King of Israel, it it really does matter. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. you can't like get it wrong. And so as much as David's not perfect, like you said, the the repentance and that relational part and that that heart that he has um is, is so significant and so yeah. Yeah, I think it's also a great reminder of the consequence of sin and the righteousness mm-hmm. of God and that mm-hmm. he doesn't owe us anything mm-hmm. when we do mess up mm-hmm. and when we fail, right? Yeah. If and, you know, I think in the stories, you, you see that. And even when we talk about Big Crown, Little Crown, it's so easy for us to read stories like this and then to sit in a position where we're like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think God should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I think he should have done this. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of, a, you know, it's something we got to be cautious about, yeah. right? To say, no, like, this is what Saul did. This is what God's response. And because God is who he is, he has every right to do that. Mm-hmm. you know and it's it's fair yeah it's just yeah, um, yeah and i mean you start with the idea right that it's the ultimate grace that god would invite him to be king right he he gets this invitation mm-hmm. that's so amazing mm-hmm. and god's in under no compulsion to do that for saul and so for him to receive that and then not take it seriously it's like yeah it's not on, it's not on god right mm-hmm. like god's not the one who like who who made those mistakes, God invited him to like the greatest position mm. in the nation and he squandered it. Mm-hmm. And so I think, again, there, there are parallels for us too of like, like, oh, well, why did God do this to me? And blah, blah, blah. But it's like, God's invited us to this amazing calling that we have and this life that we have and this forgiveness and salvation that we have. And when we make mistakes, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, it's not on God to do everything for us, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to expand on kind of this idea of, of sin in the Old Testament mm. and, and, and why I think it'd be 
point to talk about too is we got a uh, comment that came through the app uh, from Clayton. So Clayton, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for submitting the comment and the question. And I, and I want to start off on the first one. Uh, uh, Clayton says, just an observation. If Saul had been king after Jesus died on the cross, his sins would have been forgiven. Uh, thus, today is not directly comparable to Old Testament times. Any recommendations you give to the congregation should be done with that in mind. Um, so hopefully I'm, I'm reading this correctly, but the thought is that you know, sin in the Old Testament, sin in the New Testament, God's response, uh, they're different, right? So I think the question would be, um, is that the case? How so? Um, or is it not the case? And how should we view sin in the Old Testament and apply it to us today? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm really glad you asked that, Clayton. I'm really glad you used the app and that you asked the question and that you're engaging with us um, I think it's true that there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and um, and what happened, how God views our sin after Jesus died. Because, you know, God forgives our sin, but there are still connections between the way we sin and the way people in the Old Testament sin. We mm. still sin in the same ways, and we still need to repent and ask God for forgiveness. And God still thinks sin is a big deal. It's mm. not like sin isn't important anymore because God always forgives our sin, but, you know, that God still thinks sin is a big deal, and the fact that Jesus died for us is a really big deal. Um, so there are differences, but there also are those connections that we can make with the Old Testament. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great point, and, you know, I think the idea of, in the New Testament, that, that Saul would have been forgiven isn't necessarily the question that you know th that this passage is addressing um because even though he, he would have been forgiven kind of the issue here isn't really his like his standing before god so obviously when it comes to like sin and the new testament and the gospel like one huge component of that is that you know because of the cross our, our sins can be forgiven and and when we consider how God views us positionally, like we're good. So no matter how many mistakes we make, no matter how bad we are, God's going to love us. God calls us his children. But that's not the only reality of, of sin, even as New Testament believers, is that even though mm -hmm. we're forgiven, sin still has weight. It mm -hmm. still has impact. There's more to it than just the kind of the positional aspect. There's uh, the relational aspect. So we know this just from experience, and we see this in Scripture, that sin affects our relationship with God. Sin affects our relationship with others. And even though it doesn't affect our standing before God, it's still it's like a disease. It's like a sickness that affects who we are. And, 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 and I had this professor in, um, in seminary who it was a class on prayer. And I'll never forget this. It's the most. He had this this southern accent. He said that uh, sin affects prayer like dirt in a in a fuel line, and, mm. he, and, and he said it, you know, like <laughs> with this awesome accent. <laughs> but just the idea being that that sin disrupts, sin disrupts our relationship with God, our relationship with people, and it's just this weighty thing. And 
And so, yeah, all that to say, there's there's so much more to the way sin impacts us than just are we forgiven or not? Mm -hmm. It's like, how does sin affect the way we live? And so I think this passage is really relevant. And, And the whole Old Testament is relevant for us because, you know, these are people who are in relationship with God. And even though they don't have Jesus, he's he's chosen them. So he's not deciding with Saul, do I love you or not? He's not deciding, are you, you know, going to be one of my people or not? He's saying, are you fit to play this role as, as king? Are you fit to fulfill this mission that I have for you? And it's, it's really, really important. And because of all that other stuff, even though like, like Saul, you're, you're my child, you're one of my chosen people, but this sin has disrupted our relationship it's disrupted your ability to lead it's just disrupted the way you're thinking it's disrupted everything about you know who i've called you to be and it's basically kind of blocked you off from this purpose i have from you and so when god rejects saul it's not him saying i don't love you anymore it's not him saying I- i'm kicking you out of israel i'm, ki- I'm you're, you're no longer one of my people what he's saying is you're no longer fit for this role as king because being king means, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so I think it is it is very comparable, even though we're f- forgiven, even though because of Jesus, you know, our sin is never going to affect the way God sees us. Sin can impact our ability to fulfill this role God has for mm-hmm. us. And God's not going to say, like, y- you're never going to get another chance again. But it's a warning for us that, if we're not living in obedience, if we're not living with God wearing the big crown, then we're liable to fail in our calling in the same way that Saul did. And so um, I do think it's it's actually directly comparable. And, mm-hmm. and, and scripture wants us to see that comparison between this mission that we have and, and this mission that Saul had. And all I, I think you did an awesome job painting that picture, Mom, of all the reasons why Saul failed are the reasons why we do. And so it's it's a it's a heavy warning. And and, and so as much as we don't want to discount grace and mm-hmm. we want to make sure that's clear that, you know, our salvation's not on the line, and really Saul's salvation mm-hmm. wasn't on the line. What we're talking about is sin's impact on s- post salvation, mm-hmm. what we do as God's people. Yeah. And I think you know, I mean, and I don't want to oversimplify too much because I, I agree with what both you were saying, but there is this aspect even in the Old Testament and New Testament of God commands this, God says this, God wants this, and how will the people respond to it? And that's very clear in the Old Testament, and they obey, there's, there's blessing, they disobey, there's discipline, there's punishment, right? And I think that's very applicable <laughs> to the New Testament mm-hmm. living discipleship even its most basic form, right? God instructs us, he commands us, he invites us. How will we respond? Like, will we do it or will we not, right? And sometimes it's so easy for us to just think, well, because of grace, I don't have to. Mm-hmm. And then I don't want to try to, you know, use fear as a tactic, but if that's our attitude, right? well, because of grace, I don't have to. what kind of relationship do we really have then? Mm. Right? Yeah. Because the, the thread throughout scripture and the theme is God is inviting into us into a relationship 
and what we've made clear the past couple of weeks where it's it's not just hey let's be buddies it's a relationship where i wear the big crown mm. you wear the little crown and you will see how good this life is and and i and he invites us into it right so when we step into this and we see god is wearing the big crown and we're pursuing this yes there's grace that helps us right? but if grace is the mechanism that is an excuse not to do something right mm. i think we just have to ask ourselves what kind of relationship do we actually have then right so so i'm not you know um insinuating that that's what the question is about but i think in general sometimes when we make that distinction sometimes the motivation is is it something that you know well, why are we asking those kinds of questions right good question though but sometimes we just have to be cautious yeah. in that yeah i think that's a great point and and I was just I was kind of just looking over the question one more time. And I, I do think it's just overall and we've talked about that in previous podcasts, but just that that mentality of like Old Testament isn't comparable to the New Testament and, and viewing it with such a discontinuous lens is really dangerous, I, th- I think. And I don't I don't want to, you know, put the, the person who asked the question on blast here. But um, I, I think there is it's the same story. And. Jesus allows us to be in a relationship with God in a different and better way than, you know, the people of Israel had. But the mechanisms for how we relate to God and how we follow God and how sin works, it's it's all pretty much the same. And, and I think the more we can embrace that and the more we can learn from Israel's story, uh, the better. And if we see as the Old Testament as kind of these outdated stories that don't have an impact for us as a church i think we lose so much of um the story god wants to tell us and we we lose a lot of warnings from our history as god's people um that that we need to remember and so it's uh, i just i would just caution against that attitude and i know that's a that can be a very traditional attitude in Mm -hmm. the church new testament good old testament thank goodness we don't have that anymore but that's one of the things I think with this series we've really been hoping to embrace is just, and this is this is our story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, thank you both for shedding light on that. Uh, there's follow-up questions, different subject, but nevertheless, a really good question. It says, also with Saul, uh, the Holy Spirit seems to have left Saul without him being aware of it. It's curious because it tells of the nature of the Holy Spirit. If one is filled with the Holy Spirit, does he come and go as he pleases, even in New Testament times? That's another really good question. And man, it gets into some pretty like heavy uh, theology of the Holy Spirit that we don't totally have time for. But there are, I mean, a couple different roles that the Spirit has um, across the scriptures. Um, when we think about the Holy Spirit in a New Testament context, one of the parts of that is like indwelling, right? So Jesus promises the Spirit and the Spirit kind of indwells us. And that's something that pretty clearly doesn't come and go. And that that's a, that's a New Testament phenomenon. And it's one of the just means of grace that, that does make the New Testament better than the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. We have the Spirit living in us who guides us, who you know, connects us to God who allows us, you know, just a deeper connection with God. And so those are, those are different. 
But another one of the pretty clear roles that the spirit plays throughout scripture is empowering. And so the kind of the spirit coming upon people in a, in a powerful way for a specific role. And I, that's what it's talking about here when it comes to Saul. Uh, we see that throughout the judges period is that the spirit would empower people for a specific task. Sometimes it, it would be for just like, you know, go, go out and, and lead this battle. The spirit would come, empower that person and, and kind of, for lack of a better term, move on. And so it wasn't like this, a person either has the spirit or doesn't. It was this kind of temporary empowering tool. And so, you know, it, it is communicating something very significant here is that, you know, Saul had been God's tool, God's instrument, and, you know, he had been filled with the spirit for that purpose. And this is th- what the text is trying to communicate is he's kind of lost that divine blessing is that in addition to you know just kind of Samuel kind of rebuking him and and saying that God's rejected you the spirit leaving him illustrates that in a in a very powerful way um but it's it's not it's not connecting that to the way the spirit you know comes upon us in an indwelling sense um but yeah but I, I think that is a really good question because that's not always clear that that there's kind of those different roles. Yeah. So in this instance, there is a difference between the old Testament and the new Testament and the way the Holy spirit works in our lives. So Mm -hmm. there, yeah. Yeah. And and to be fair, when it comes to the empowering part, that's still sort of true in that, like we always have the spirit, right? The spirit indwells us, Mm -hmm. but it also seems to be the case that like for new Testament believers who had the spirit indwelling them, that the spirit would also come upon them mm-hmm. for specific roles mm-hmm. and specific moments. Like, um, like Stephen comes to mind, mm-hmm. right. In, in this moment of like, it's filled with the spirit and, and like kind of empowered to kind of give this amazing sermon and, 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 you know, and there are moments where it happens for the apostles at, mm-hmm. at Pentecost. And, and so that can kind of still happen. But yeah, to your point, we also have this yeah. other other indwelling thing that Old Testament believers didn't seem to have. So the indwelling itself doesn't come and go. Right. But the empowering can come and go in the New Testament. Yeah, come and go sounds kind of weird because yeah. we always yeah. have mm-hmm. it. But I think God, I think this, it, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to describe it without accidentally yeah. wandering into heresy. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll, yeah, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's well said, good explanation. And um, yeah, I want to thank Clayton for submitting those two uh, really good questions that I think, yeah, as you're kind of journeying through the Old Testament, I think they're questions that are extremely relevant. And I think it's helpful for, for us to, to walk through it. And I think for anyone who's listening to be able to wrestle with the same things. Yeah, awesome questions. Very challenging questions mm-hmm. and then i think good things for us to be talking and thinking about mm-hmm. all right so kind of back to message as we kind of wrap things up um anything else that you feel either of you that this point in our series as we kind of as, as we covered the story of saul you know any other the main takeaway main themes that you guys want to kind of 
address on, reemphasize as we move into to David? Uh, w- one thing I was thinking about was just, you know, we, we've, we're, we're going to be going through this at a pretty rapid pace. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of texts. Um, we're barely even going to get into like Solomon near the end. And we had to skip over some material on the front end. And even some of the stuff we gave you in the reading plan, if you're following along, y- you know, you're not going to be getting everything. And so just to be clear about that, like we never want to do that. It's never like, oh, well, let's skip over this because this isn't important. We're just, if we're trying to kind of give the best picture we can of, of the major movements of the book, but um, there's good stuff outside of that too. And so one part that I, I, I wish we had time for, and I, I kind of regret that we didn't, is, is just the whole story of Samuel and his mm. journey in the first several chapters of, of First Samuel. I mean, the book is named after him. <laughs> we didn't even really talk about him. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of rich, especially coming out of the judges period, if you're familiar with that, just kind of looking at his role and, and who he was and, you know, even the way he was born, you know, with Hannah, it, you know, it, it connects to like John the Baptist, it connects to Sarah, like he's in this lineage of really important guys in scripture. Mm-hmm. And so um, <laughs> shout out to Samuel. Sorry we <laughs> left you out, yeah. but there's there's really good stuff there. And so, you know, if you're looking for something to read. Um, read about read about Samuel because he's he's a good dude. <laughs> Expand on that real quick. Then, what's kind of the main theme from Samuel going into Saul, and now as we're about to get into David to kind of see what Saul's kind of sandwiched between. You know, like Samuel is like he's this link between this really bad period, and he's like kind of this one high point of of kind of faithfulness, and you know the. Guys before him were bad, and even as as you enter into the Saul narrative, his his sons. That's why they asked for a king, is because his his <laughs> sons aren't even all that great either. And so he's, you know, he he just plays this. He's a judge, but he plays this kind of prophetic role of, um, just kind of keeping people, and and, and paving the way for, um, for Saul and eventually for David. And so, I don't know. I mean, it is the I think the John the Baptist kind of comparison mm-hmm. is is apt there, and just the role that he plays in, in setting the table and um, and throughout the narrative, he, he continues to pop up here and there to, you know, to rebuke Saul and he rebukes, the, you know, he, he, he comes and it brings David and anoints David. And so, um, yeah, he's just, he's like a great point guard, you know, <laughs> and, and so he's like, he's never going to take the center stage, but mm-hmm. um, I think in light of, everything that happens in judges when you come and, and, and you come to Samuel, it's like, it's, it's a really, it's a cool story. Mm-hmm. I think like his birth and his, his, his mom and, and her story and her faithfulness. It's, it's again, it's these moments of like Ruth, like we talked about where, you know, the people of God kind of perseveres because of these small choices that seemingly insignificant people make. Mm-hmm. And I think, f- you know, for us, th- those are, those are really important. If we're going to, draw connections between us and and these great kings we also have to be reminded of the connection between us and these people who in their time were relatively insignificant but they 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 take a role in this story because they just choose the small choices that uh, you know the small choices of faithfulness that that they can make Mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, when you contrast that with someone like Saul, who has such great opportunities and, and refuses to make those small choices, you see the weight of how we live and, and everything yeah. we do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I forgot what the question was, but as you were talking, it just made me think of just the enormity of grace and how how wonderful it is that we have Jesus. You know, for a long time, you know, we talked a lot about grace. And a lot of times when I would preach a sermon, I didn't like using the word sin because it's such an old-fashioned idea for us. And I would rather use the word wrongs or weaknesses or our struggles. Um, but I think it's only when we look at just the terrible weight of sin and just Saul's life and the consequences for him that we really can appreciate how much God has done for us in giving us Jesus and in pouring out his grace on us. Mm. And um, yeah, I think we have to see that, that connection for us as we are so much like Saul and yet mm-hmm. God loves us and forgives us. You know? mm-hmm. And that's, that's really something. Yeah. Even like the whole like cyclical aspect of sin throughout the old Testament. It's not just like, wow, like God loved me, even though like I did this and this and this 10 years ago and five years ago. It's like, oh, no, God loved me, even though, like, my story is this thousand-year, three-thousand-year journey of just, you know, my legacy or, my, you know, my history, my ancestors just continuing to make mistake after mistake. That was one thing I was thinking that I don't think we talked about in the, in the message is just even Saul's sins are just repeats of other sins. You know, it's like you, you mentioned, right? It's like the Aiken sin and, like, his first sin is kind of like Moses and in, in the wilderness of mm. like just kind of taking it upon yeah. himself. Like, well, I don't know what God's going to do. So I'm just going to, I'll just figure it out, you know, and just, we just, we just keep on doing it over and over again and over and over. God just, okay, let me figure out a new way to, to rescue you guys. Let me figure out a new way to save you from yourselves. And yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. a great point. Yeah. And I love the combination of, of, of both pictures, right? The, the, the grace, but also the weight of sin, right? Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest, when I read through Saul and David, it, it's hard for me to read Saul and not think, you know, I can relate to this <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. and, and kind of be scared kind of a little bit of like, oh my gosh, as a leader, as a pastor, like I see a lot mm-hmm. of myself in Saul. Yeah. Right. So on one hand, the, the grace part, the relational aspect of, of being a son, right? Um, of just who God the Father is and the grace we have through Jesus. That's very comforting. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the other component of, well, you can't stay here then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you see it in Saul. You see it in yourself. Like, yes, there's grace, but you need to, to move forward. You need to strive to grow. You need to learn from it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I think it's important that we, we see both. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, there's grace. And, and praise God for that. But the, the other component, it's not, it's not contradicting. It, mm-hmm. it comes down to the whole purpose. Yeah. This is why God is calling you. This is why he has placed you where you are now. This is what he has invited you to. This is the opportunity that you get to experience and, and how you can bless other people. So that's why, mm. you know, yeah. obedience matters. Yeah. That's yeah. why, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, that's awesome. That's a great mm-hmm. point. And I think it's like, not not to give away too much, but I think that's the beauty of this narrative and that Saul is the ultimate warning shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think David is a picture that reminds us of like, okay, but your flaws aren't going to be what, th- that's not like, it's not like you can't be flawed. 
mm-hmm. and, and you know and there are ways that like we're gonna see ourselves in david's story too in a way that i think there's just that balance mm-hmm. you know yeah. of like the, the danger of being Saul, but also the reality of of god's grace in, in david's life and mm-hmm. so um and then it's gonna go back the other way too and then, then the cost of sin in david's life and mm-hmm. and so i think there's i think that like like we've just kind of been talking about that that back and forth between experiencing just the grace of you know like what the opportunity god's given us and even in, in the midst of our failings but also just this heavy reminder of okay but be careful you mm-hmm. know like you yeah. just you can't get too complacent mm-hmm. yeah well i want to thank you both for sharing and uh, just adding so much insight to uh, just this entire story this big picture of who god is and what we're invited to so, uh, yeah, thanks for, for both of you. Uh, thank you, Donna. Thank you, Brandon, uh, for being here and sharing with us. You're welcome. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. Hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>